Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Psalms, Psalm 127 and verse number 3. Before we read that this morning, I want to say I'm so excited today to have my two oldest granddaughters, Briley and Addie, with us this morning on the front row. And uh, they hardly ever get to be with us on Sunday. Of course, they are involved in their own church and they are uh, incredible uh, workers in their own church, but we get them uh, for uh, for today, so we're excited to have have them. I, I'll never forget when Briley, first time she ever came and she heard her Papa preach, she told her daddy, she said, Daddy, I never heard Papa talk like that. <laughs> All right, we're looking in the book of Psalms, Psalm 127 and verse number 3. The Bible says that children are a gift from the Lord. Say a gift. Yes. They are a reward from him say a reward father we thank you for the precious gift and the incredible reward that you have given to us uh, through the gift of of our children God I just thank you for my own uh, kids my own grandkids father and the incredible family you have blessed me with God I just pray today Lord that your anointing Lord will rest again upon the the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I just pray that you'll give us ears on our, on our heart today to listen and to hear, but not just to hear, but, but also to heed your word, Father, and to leave this place putting in practice that, that we receive. All of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. Praise you may be reseated this morning. Well, if you are new to the Grace Place, we are currently in a series I'm calling Home improvement. And so far in this series, we've talked about marriage. Uh, We've talked about finances. Uh, We've talked about how to make uh, wise, godly uh, uh, decisions. This past Sunday, we began talking about parenting. And I gave you five things to give your children. I gave you five things that every child needs from their parents. If you were not here last Sunday, I would encourage you to uh, go online to our website and to listen to that teaching. I think there's some things that were said last week that can help you, and especially if you have children still at home. Well, this morning, I'm going to give you five things not to give your children. Got to have a ring up here. Uh, Last week, we talked about five things we should give them. Today, I'm going to talk about five things that we should not give our children. The first thing is unrealistic expectations. Unrealistic expectations. The book of Ephesians chapter number 6 and verse 4 says, do not exasperate your children. Now another word for exasperate would be frustrate, or we could say do not frustrate your children. One way parents often frustrate their kids is by placing unrealistic expectations on them. Expecting them to perform on the best case scenario level with no margin for error. How many know that nobody can attain, no one certainly can sustain this unrealistic level of expectation? Would you agree? I'm going to turn on the caution sign uh, right here this morning. First of all, don't, don't pressure your child to fulfill your unfulfilled dreams. 
See, it's tempting as a parent to want your child to accomplish something or, or to have something or to become something that, that you wanted for yourself, but for whatever reason, it just never seemed to happen for you. So when your child comes along, you see them as your second chance. What you wanted and you were not allowed to have or you did not get, you now hope to experience it vicariously through your child. Only one problem. Your children are not you. And I hate to let the air out of your balloon, but they probably don't want the same things you wanted. If you try to live vicariously through them, you will frustrate them. And you can cause them to be unhappy by either trying to please, uh, you, you can cause them to be unhappy by either them trying to please you or by them knowing that they disappointed you. When I was a little boy, I always wanted a little red wagon. I don't know why, but for some reason, I never got a little red wagon. My cousin had a little red wagon, and every time that we'd go to my cousin's house, I'd have so much fun with his little red wagon. Because a, a little boy and a great imagination, you can do a whole lot of things with a little red wagon. You can put your knee in it, and you can scoot along in it, and it's your car, you know. You can have races in it, or, you know, it can be your truck, or you can pull stuff in it, or, or haul stuff, all these kinds of things. I don't know what, but I, for, for whatever reason, I just, I just wanted a little red wagon so much, but all, in my whole growing up years, I never got a little red wagon. Say, aw. And then I had a son. I had a son. And I remember when my son Chad was just a little bitty boy that, that one day I said to him, Son, I said, Chad, how would you like for your daddy to buy you a little red wagon? Man, you can have so much fun in that little red wagon, son. You can put one knee in that wagon. You can scoot along in it. It can be your car. Or you can pull stuff in it, haul stuff in it. You can do all kinds of things in that little red wagon. I said, Son, how would you like your daddy to buy you a little red wagon? He said, no thanks, Dad. I want a big wheel. <laughs> Truth of the matter is, they probably don't want the same things you wanted. So don't pressure your child to fulfill your unfulfilled dreams. Here's another, here's another caution flag this morning. Don't push your child in the direction that you want them to go. My wife and I never pushed our kids in the direction of ministry. In fact, I wanted my son to be a pro baseball player. I wanted him to make millions of dollars, and I wanted him to be a tither in my church. My parents would say to me, son, you know, you know, Chad and Krista, they have a call on their heart, a call on their life. You know, you know, son, both Chad and Krista, they're both called into ministry. You know that, son. I'd say, mom, dad, please don't say anything to them about this. Please don't tell them they have a call of God upon their life. 
See, I wanted them to know they were called by God and not by mom or dad or grandma or grandpa. Because I knew about ministry. I'm not one to sing the blues or cry the blues or say how bad it is, how hard it is to be in ministry. But I'm going to tell you that there's a whole lot more to ministry than that, that you even think about. Every time my mouth opens, I make some people happy and some people upset. Every time I make a decision in the church, some people are cheering me on and some people are booing me. I'm not complaining, it's just, it just comes with the territory. If you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. But it wasn't my desire for my son and my daughter to have to go through some of the things that their mom and their dad had to go through in ministry. And so I knew that the only way they would be sustained in ministry is if they knew that they were not called by grandma or grandpa. They weren't called by mom and dad, but they had a clear call from God upon their heart. Because without a clear call, call from God on their heart, they wouldn't make it. I'll never forget several years ago, I had a young man in my church who felt called into ministry. But for whatever reason, his dad wouldn't hear it. His dad wouldn't hear about it at all. And his dad pressured him to become an engineer like him. And so this young man, with a call of God upon his heart, with a desire to go to ministry school instead to please his daddy, he went off and to another college that taught engineering, and he squeezed four years of college into six and didn't finish because it wasn't in his heart. And finally, his dad finally gave in and gave his son his approval to go into ministry. Listen, allow your kids to have their own dreams for their life. Giving you five things not to give your children. Number one is unrealistic expectations. It's it's unrealistic to think your kids can fulfill your unfulfilled dreams or become what you want them to become. Here's what I want you to hear this morning. Write this down. If you will teach your kids what they need to know, then you will be able to trust them to make good decisions in life. See, I taught my kids how to hear God. I taught my kids how to hear the voice of God. And so when my kids told me that they heard the voice of God, even though when one of them told me they heard the voice of God, and it's not the voice I wanted them to hear, and I gave this one several uh, opportunities to change, but they had heard from God. And I taught them to hear from God. And if they said they heard from God, and I taught them how to hear from God, and they said they heard from God, I had to trust that they had heard from God. Amen? So if you will teach your kids what they need to know, then you'll be able to trust them to make good decisions in life. Now hear me this morning. This doesn't guarantee you that they will bat a thousand. Because nobody bats a thousand. But I promise you that they will get a whole lot more hits than they will strike out. Second thing we shouldn't give our children is uncertain rules and regulations. Proverbs 13 and 24 says, those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Let me suggest two things here. Number one, inconsistent discipline confuses a child. See, your law today should be your law tomorrow. If you don't allow your kids to jump on the bed today, you shouldn't allow your kids to jump on the bed tomorrow. 
Inconsistent discipline confuses a child. Inconsistency is one of the biggest issues in parenting. Because too often what is allowed or not allowed is dependent upon how the parent feels at the moment rather than what's right or wrong or appropriate or inappropriate. Inconsistent discipline confuses a child and indefinite instructions frustrate a child. See, see, often children are given rules and regulations that are too vague. And these indefinite instructions tend to frustrate them. So be specific with your kids as much as possible. Let's look at another thing not to give our children. Unfair comparisons. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 12 says, It is unwise to make comparisons. Write this down this morning. All comparisons are unfair. All comparisons are unfair. Why would I say that? Because when you compare, you are never comparing apples to apples. Because there are no two people that are exactly alike. There are no two situations that are exactly alike. Therefore, all comparisons are unfair. And yet we do it all the time. We compare our houses. We compare our jobs. We compare our salaries. We compare our spouses. We compare our situations. We even compare our kids. Here's what we need to understand. Comparing siblings leads to negative reactions. Parents say to Junior, why can't you be like your brother? The answer, because they are not their brother. They don't have the same gifts. They don't have the same talents. They don't have the same abilities. They don't have the same dream. They have their own dream. They have their own gifts, they have their own talents, they have their own abilities, their own God-given assignment in life. So parents must be very, very careful in this area. When it comes to raising kids and when there are siblings involved, one size does not fit all. What works for one may or may not work for the others. You can't be an effective parent with a a cookie-cutter approach. Psalm 139 and verse 14, David said to God, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. So if people are complex, then a cookie cutter or assembly line approach to parenting just simply will not work very well. Listen, listen, if you have three kids and and, and you are parenting them all alike, my question to you is why? Why? If you are comparing your kids to each other, why would you do that? You are not comparing apples to apples or nuts to nuts, whichever the case might be. (laughs) Comparing siblings leads to negative reactions. And showing favoritism doesn't work out well either. Read the Bible. It caused a lot of problems for Joseph and his brothers. 
It caused a lot of strife between Jacob and, and Esau. And listen, it will not work out well in your home either. And understand this as well. Comparing situations is never fair. Why? Because no two situations are exactly alike. One reason why is because some people have a much better starting point than others do. I love the story about the man that, that uh, became very, very successful. And after he became very, very successful, they wrote a book about him. And the book talked about this man. It's a true story that, that he, he became so successful uh, in, in, in his business and that, that when he showed up in town, all he had when he showed up in town uh, was the clothes on his back and, 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 a, and a little sack. And yet with just the clothes on his back and a little sack, uh, he became very, very successful. In his book, he revealed that no one had ever asked him what was in the little sack. And what was in the little sack was a million dollars. Sometimes we look around at other people. Maybe, maybe we look around at other people our age or we went to school with or whatever. And, and they appear to be more successful than, than we appear to be. And we get a little bit of jealousy and we begin to wonder a little bit. But listen, maybe, maybe, just maybe they had a lot better starting point than you had. No two situations are exactly alike. Some have better teachers. Some have better mentors. Some have better conditions than others others have. Comparing situations is never fair. All right, we're talking about what not to give our children. Let Let me suggest another one, and that is unkind words. Unkind Words. Proverbs 15 and 1 says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. And Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 29 says, Do not use foul or abusive language. That's nothing to do with the message, but I think I ought to just read that part again. Do not use foul or uh, abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. I don't think we fully understand how powerful our words are. Words are so powerful. Because you see, with our words, we have the power to build up or we have the power to tear down. With our words, we have power to bring healing or we have power to inflict a wound. With our words, we have the power to increase hope or we have the power to take it away. Hardly anything in life is more powerful than the words that we speak. And yet we are so careless with our words. So careless with our words. Here's a thought. Just because words appear in your head doesn't necessarily mean they ought to come out of your mouth. See, see, the problem with unkind words is they can never be unspoken. There's no rewind button on our mouth. 
where we can rewind what we said and erase it. And, and even when we say, I'm sorry, which certainly helps, but the damage can never be undone. The wound may heal, but it usually leaves a scar. Psalm 141 and 3 says, the psalmist prayed and he cried out and he said to God, he said, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Let me suggest three things unkind words do. We suggest, number one, that words, unkind words injure. Parents who, who would never think about physically abusing their children sometimes verbally abuse them with unkind words. Saying things in anger that should never be said to a defenseless child. These unkind and abusive words cause emotional injury which negatively affects the natural maturing process of the child. Not only do unkind words injure, unkind words inflate. See, everybody has their own insecurities. The most secure person still has their own insecurities. Mine are not yours and yours are not mine, but everyone has insecurities. Some have more than others. Some have overcome their insecurities and some have not. Children have them as well. When undue attention is given to an area where a child is already insecure about, this tends to inflate their insecurity. I remember when I was a little boy and I lost my two front teeth. And I remember when I got my two big teeth, my two adult teeth in front. And because I still had the body of a child, but now I had adult teeth, the teeth tended to look too big. And I became very self-conscious about that. My older brother, my brother just a year older than me, where sibling rivalry was very, very uh, alive and well in our home. (laughs) And my older brother told me that I had buck teeth. And he started calling me Bucky. (laughs) You're laughing at me. And any time my brother was mad at me or any time my brother wanted to make me mad, he would call me Bucky. And from that point on, I stopped smiling. And I didn't smile to the point of showing my teeth for years. See, my brother's unkind words inflated my already present insecurity in that area. Now, I eventually grew into my teeth. I don't have that teeth anymore. (laughs) But in order to be fair, I also need to say here that I was as guilty as he was with my unkind words to him. Because, you see, my golden rule was... (laughs) 
Do unto thy brother as thy brother hath done unto thee. And it just so happened that my brother had a big rear end. And so I called him Beanie Butt. Yeah, I said the word. Let me know what I'm talking about this morning. Three things unkind words do. Number one, they injure. Number two, they inflate. Number three, unkind words cause insecurity. I wonder how many people are insecure today because of the unkind words that have been spoken over them. Words spoken years ago when they were a child. Words like, you're stupid, or, or, or you'll never amount to anything, or you're ugly, or you're worthless, or you're fat, or whatever the words might be. Unkind words cause insecurity. I'll never forget several years ago, we were pastoring in another city. Our young family's teacher resigned, and so I needed a new teacher for the young family's class. I can see it as if it were yesterday. I I went to a gentleman in my church. He was working on his house. He was standing out in the backyard cleaning up some tools. I went back and I began to talk to him. And I began to tell him about that our our young family's teacher had resigned and that we are in need of a young family's teacher to take his place. And I looked at him and I called him by name and I said, your name came to my mind. And I said, I think you could do an awesome job teaching this class. I believe. You could do this job. I'll never forget as he lowered his head and then he looked up at me and then he looked up at me. He had tears, tears coming down his cheeks. And he said, I'm 30 years old. He said, that's the first time in my entire life that anyone ever told me they thought I could do anything. Not only did he teach the young adult class, but sometime later I helped him get his preaching credentials with the Assemblies of God, and he became an Assemblies of God pastor. And a few years after that, He became one of our Assemblies of God missionaries to a foreign country. You see, as powerful as unkind words are, kind, encouraging, positive words are powerful too. Proverbs 18 and 21 says that that the tongue can produce life, but it can also produce I want to pause just for a moment and talk to our Royal Ranger commanders, our girls' ministries teachers, our, 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 our anyone that works with the kids in our church. Do you understand the awesome 
privilege and incredible responsibility that is on your shoulders to be a Royal Ranger commander, girls ministry teacher, children's church, youth sponsor. Do you understand? Do you understand that everyone, every kid doesn't come from a perfect home? Do you understand that there are kids in your class every Wednesday night that if they're going to get something positive, if they're going to get affirmed in any way, the only place it's ever going to happen is through you? Do you understand the power of an encouraging word? I pray for you, Royal Ranger leaders, girls' ministries, youth sponsors, almost every day I pray for you. I pray that you will take this thing serious. I pray that you will understand your responsibility. I pray for you that, that, that you'll be prepared. Uh, you're not just, you know, making something up on your way from work to, to, to Royal Rangers. You're not just, you know, just in there flying by the seat of your pants, but you understand the responsibility of it, and you've taken some of your time, and you've prepared yourself, but not only have you prepared your mind, you've also prepared your heart. And I pray almost every day for you that you will pour love into those kids. I challenge you today. You can make a difference in their life. Maybe you will be like this young man that I talked to. Maybe they've never once heard anything positive spoken into their life, but you spoke it. Amen? All right, let's finish up this morning. Let's look at the fifth and final thing parents should not give their children. That is an unstable environment. Proverbs 10 and 9 says, He who walks with integrity walks securely. Notice the words, walks securely. And Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 7 says, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Notice the phrase, children are blessed. It's not fair to children when their parents force them to live in an unstable environment. That might be physically. Where physically they fear that daddy might go into a rage and may abuse them. Maybe it's emotionally, where, where they live in an emotionally unstable home, or financially, or spiritually. Two things children need. Number one, children need security. Children need security. Because children are dependent. They totally depend upon their parents or, or, or the people that are serving as their parents. They are totally dependent upon them. And they need the same people to be in their lives consistently. I had an adopted sister who came to live with our family when she was eight years old. After she had been with us a few weeks, she asked my mom, her new mom. She asked her, she says, she said, why, why does the same man come home every night? It's 
See, she was used to her biological mother having a new man home just about every other week or so. And she asked my mom, her new mom, why, why does the same man come home every night? See, she had no clue that the same man coming home every night was what it was supposed to be like. You call him daddy. See, kids need, cons- kids need consistency. They need the same people, good people, stable people, people who love them. Listen, hear me this morning. They, they don't need strangers. They don't need unfamiliar people coming in and out of their lives on a regular basis. And parents, they don't need to to see and hear you fuss and fight in front of them. Every married couple fights. Well, my wife and I do. I guess we're the only ones in here. (laughs) If you don't fight, you're dead. Every married couple have their fights. They have their arguments. They have their disagreements. It's called life. But it shouldn't take place in front of the kids. And your kids don't need to, to hear you discuss your financial worries in front of them either. Don't give your kids an unstable environment. Children need security. And children need structure. Kids need a regular routine. Kids need a consistent bedtime. Older kids need a curfew. Kids need to be given regular responsibilities like making their bed or cleaning their room or carrying out the trash or doing dishes or mowing the lawn. Kids should not be treated like slaves, but should contribute to the family by doing age-appropriate chores. I'm sorry. Just thinking about something my son said, and I got my granddaughter sitting right here, but... I'm not going to say which one, so you don't know which one, so... But one of them asked their daddy if they could have an allowance. And my son, yes, I allow you to live here. I allow you to eat. I allow you. That is your allowance. I allow you. I don't know where he got that from. And kids should suffer the consequences by being fairly punished when they fail to do the chores assigned to them. Or when they miss their curfew. Or when they break some house rule. Now please use wisdom when dealing out punishment. Make sure the punishment fits the crime. And never, say never. Never. Say it again. Say it louder. Never punish your child by taking away privileges that have to do with children's or youth activities at church. 
I've never understood that logic. Take away their iPhone. Take away their iPad. Take away other technical devices. Ground them from activities with their friends, but not from church activities. You better make sure they attend every single event that their kids and youth ministry offers. Get as much of Jesus down in them as you can. Amen. Don't ground them from church stuff. Ground them from other stuff. See, our kids today live in a crazy world. Crazy world. I remember when I was a kid. When I was just a young kid, man, I would leave home on Saturday morning. You know, we lived in a small town. Man, I'd go all over that place. I'd go all over that place. I'd go in other people's houses. Stay out for hours. I either come home when I'm hungry or when I heard my mom call my name. Today, you better not let your kid out of your sight. When I have my grandkids, especially when they're smaller, man, I'm paranoid, man. I take them to the playground, man. I, man, my eyes on them 100% of the time, man. I don't take my eye off them. I take them to Chick-fil-A, and they're in that little, they can't even get out, but I sit right there by that door. There ain't nothing happened to my grandkid on my watch. First of all, you might as well put me six foot under if anything happens to my grandkid on my watch. I couldn't, have, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't live with myself. It's a different world today. It's a crazy world. It's a mixed up world. It's a demon influenced world. Because of that, you better make sure their home life is stable, secure, and properly structured. Amen. We get some help on the platform this morning. Everyone standing, please. Our takeaway for today is children are fun. So enjoy them. And children are fragile. So encourage them. Amen? You still with me? Did you get anything this morning? Two people did. Thank you. (laughs) Father, I just pray, Lord, that you'll take this word this morning, Father. This teaching, this training, this practical uh, nuts and bolts types of teaching and training. God, I just pray, God, that you'll help us, Father. God, help us as moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas to understand how how important, how important we are in the lives of our kids and our grandkids. Yes, they look to rock stars, movie stars, pro athletes. Yes, they look to these things, but, but above all of that, they look to us. They have no greater influence in their life than mom and dad, grandma and grandpa. Help us to understand our responsibility. Help us, O oh God, to teach and train and nurture and love our kids and fill their life so full of Jesus that, yes, they have a choice, but, man, we've, 
we've directed them so much and bent them so, more, so much toward that choice, man, they've already got a big head start in their choice of loving you, living for you, and serving you. God, I pray for any, any parent today that is struggling today, any parent that is struggling today, Maybe they have children. Maybe they have teenagers and they're struggling today. God, I just pray that you will help them today. Help them today. And God, I pray for older parents who, who, who almost every time I teach something like this will come to me and say, oh, I wish I would have had this teaching and this training when, I, when, when my kids were younger. I wish I would have heard these kinds of things. Nobody told us those things. God, I pray that you'll heal their hurts, Father, and help them. 